Agents Podcast. Welcome to the Lab Code Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Lab Code Agents Marketing Center. The LCA Marketing Center is designed specifically for the real estate world. It's a design center for marketing that has templates created so you can just plug and play. From flyers, postcards, buyer presentations to open house signs and Instagram posts. Check it out for free for seven days at lcamarketingcenter.com. Welcome back, Lab Code Nation. In this week's episode of the Lab Code Agents Podcast, I had the opportunity to talk with social media strategist Tessa Bella Jelton, the realtor queen of Instagram. Her strategies have created a following of 30,000 on IG, and they work in all social media platforms. This podcast is a must for anyone who is focusing on adding or growing their social media presence in 2020. Okay, welcome back, Lab Code Agents. We are back for another episode of the Lab Code Agents podcast. And today, I'm really excited because I get to talk to somebody who I follow and watch and I've listened to, and she's way smarter than I am when it comes to social media, especially Instagram. Many of you already know her. Probably some of you have already heard her speak. We're going to do it again today, except selfishly, I get to ask the questions. It's not Tristan this time, so I'm looking forward to diving deep. Welcome to the show, Tessa Bella Jelton of Scottsdale, Arizona, TV Digital Media, my home group. You do it all. Can't wait to talk to you. Awesome. Thanks for having me here. I'm super excited to chat a little bit more about social media, about how that applies to our amazing industry here and how it's ever-changing. Awesome. So before we get started because this is a different medium than what you're used to with us at Lab Coats. I always like to get to know my guests a little bit and, and let our listeners get to know our guests. So could you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to where you are today? Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story, but I'll try and summarize it so we don't get too long-winded here. But um, I'm actually 23 years old. I moved down here to Arizona um, right after I graduated high school. I was like, I've got to get out of here. I was up in a small town in Oregon. And I knew that I just needed more. I kind of like had this feeling ever since I was a little kid. I knew that I was bound to be in a bigger city doing more, all of that kind of stuff. So I came down to Arizona, went to ASU for computer science and marketing. And while I was studying that, I was, I took this internship at like an event planning company. And about two weeks into the job there, the internship, their sales and marketing director quit just stopped coming in. They sort of threw me into this crazy role, which I was so not ready for. And I was like, all right, well, we're going to make the most of this. So I took that opportunity to pull out all of the tricks that I had in my bag. And I made them a new website. I set up this entire social media strategy and just deployed it. I just took action. And we doubled their business in just over 60 days. And I remember sitting down in a meeting and they were like, what on earth did you do? And I was like, Honestly, <laughs> I couldn't really tell you. I mean, I did. I knew what I was doing, but but at the same time, it was very experimental, and it was very cool to see how that resulted. Um, and so then I took a look back at everything that I had done, and I was like, okay, well, at this point, I was just starting to break into this space of flipping houses. I always wanted to flip houses because I used to watch HGTV re religiously. I would like try and watch it, stream it on my phone or something like that because we didn't have TV growing up. So any way that I could watch those kind of shows, I would. And 
I was super inspired by it. My friends have always called me scrappy because when I want something, I just kind of find a way to make it happen. Like there is no other option in my eyes. So I put together this entire pitch deck, a whole like presentation. And I had a friend who had a bit of money um, from oil rigs back in North Dakota, South Dakota, I don't know. <laughs> he has made some money from that. And I pitched him this concept of using some of those funds to flip houses here in Arizona. And I was super blessed that he was willing to kind of take a chance on it. I must have been a more convincing salesperson at the time than I even knew I was and uh, got started flipping houses. So now I'm working at this events company, starting to flip houses. And that's when it hit me. I was like, well, I just did all of these strategies to really elevate somebody else's business. Couldn't I do this for myself? And that kind of is what gave birth to the concept of utilizing social media and having like a really strategic online strategy to generate leads, generate business, and really build a brand, um, a personal brand around myself and what I was able to accomplish so that as my interest and as my skill set continued to evolve, I would still have this solid brand. Wow. Okay. So <laughs> first of all, I feel really old uh, because I have a 19-year-old daughter and um, you're, <laughs> you're closer to her age, way closer than you are to my age. So that sucks. But I'm amazingly impressed because uh, let's, let's take it back to the beginning when you took over this company and you doubled their business. You know, is this just, and this is just my primitive mindset here, because my kids, I have two teenage daughters. They're both like really savvy at social media, of course. And, I, and literally, it's my secret weapon. I think it's what makes me better uh, because I can pick their brain. I can watch them. And, you know, the, the youth of America are the best predictors of what's coming in social, right? So pay attention to that kind of stuff. You're a prime example of that. You stepped into a company. How old were you when you did that? I was, I think, 19. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really funny because my 19-year-old actually works for a sporting goods company doing the same thing right now, essentially managing their social media. I'm going to have her follow you. So you jumped in and you said, you know, like you, you made the statement and then you kind of corrected it and said, well, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I did know what I was doing. Do you just kind of chalk that up to the millennial mindset and the way that your generation was kind of bred and grew up and, and just being around it and, and having a phone at, on, in your fingertips at, at a very young age is, would you say that had a lot to do with it? I would say that's part of it. Um, I would say kind of the other piece of that puzzle is, the mindset that I've always gone at life with, and that is kind of how I now coach and teach other people. And that's having a very holistic approach at everything I do. And what I mean by that is like, I'm very good at looking at macro and then breaking it down to micro, looking at the big picture. I'm like, okay, what's my end objective here? I want to help them grow their brand, grow their business and generate more sales. And then I literally my brain works in those like you know those webs where you break it down and draw the little circles and things that's how my brain operates sometimes so I break it down until we're at these micro things that I know I can do in order to help achieve that big goal so that was kind of the way that I started to look at it and it was just taking a lot of action some things stuck, some things didn't and it was kind of like testing pasta you throw it at the wall and hope that it's ready <laughs> That's amazing. And, and obviously age is only a number to you because you don't use it as a disadvantage because frankly, it is a dis, it can be a disadvantage in real estate and mortgage in the real estate world because it's, it's a lack of experience and people look at you and say, oh yeah, she's a little too young. And you say, 
screw that. It doesn't matter. I have the drive and the discipline and the know-how, and I'm just going to go out there and crush the world. And here you are at 23. Imagine where you're going to be at 30, which is like a lifetime away, probably. That's really awesome. And for those of you listening to this, you know, two things I want to point out before they tune out, because our industry is geriatric. And I'm sorry to say that. And for those of you listening, some of you fall into that category. I'm one of the younger pups in this industry at 42. And you can learn a lot here. And if you are not starting to embrace the people like Tessabella in our industry who are going to change it, you're going to die. And for those of you who are young, this is your inspiration to be better because she's doing it. So I'm already blown away and I didn't, I didn't actually know this. So I'm really glad I asked that question. Okay. So let's fast forward. Now, here you are today. Where do you spend the most of your time? It honestly varies a lot. It's evolved greatly over the last 12 months. Now the majority of my time is, here's something about me. I can be very much of a type A personality and I love to do things by myself. And I think part of that comes from the fact that I get an idea and I go out there and I make it happen. But for a little while, that's held me back in my business or in the development of what I could do because I struggled to delegate, outsource, bring people in, trust that anyone was going to care about my clients and my business in the same way that I did. Um, and so as I've learned to do that and bring more people into the puzzle, a lot more of my time now is spent creating value for others and coaching and teaching other people how to do so. Um, and there was actually a quick point I wanted to make too about, about the age piece. I don't ever, I rarely ever mention it. And I actually had a coach of mine that was like, you need to start saying that. That's a part of your story. And for so long, I've always avoided that because I did get thrown up against that objection of, oh, well, you're so young. Like, what could you know? And that actually was a big driving force behind why I got into this niche specifically in teaching social media for real estate is because I was frustrated. I was going up against these industry dinosaurs when I was trying to get luxury listings. I was up against people who had 40 years of experience. And that was constantly the one thing that I couldn't see. I'm pretty freaking good at sales if I say so myself. I can beat just about every objection in the book. But when somebody says, oh, you just, you haven't been doing this long enough. I'm like, well, shit. Okay. I can't age myself overnight. Like there was nothing I could do to get around that. And my one key to shortcut years of experience was time and effort spent in other ways that gave me a advantage or leverage in some way. And that truly is what social media is. Um, and I think if you keep with the mindset of starting from where you are with what you have and continuing to build on that not comparing yourself to all the other people. That's how you can find a, uh, it's like a game of shoots and ladders. That's how you can find your ladder to just cut, <laughs> cut up a little bit and really get ahead of other people. That's awesome. And that, that's a really good point because, you know, finding a competitive advantage, you know, in, in our industry, in most industries, everybody just tends to follow the same societal path, if you will, right? If society says do it, then you do it. If you're supposed to get married, you get married. Well, obviously that's changing. It's been changing a lot over the last 20 years. Even my generation was bucking that trend. But like you said, you can't fake experience. Like you just don't have the experience. You haven't had as many experiences as somebody who's been in the business 20 years. So what do you do? You don't just sit back and wait and, 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 and pout. You go figure out a way to create a competitive advantage. And that's, that's so awesome. I, I do have a question and, and I can relate to this because I got into management and mortgage at 25. And I also felt like way too young. Like how can I 
uh, how can somebody who's older than me respect me? How can I create that respect? Because I do have, you know, I, I don't have gray hairs. I could I had a hard time growing hairs on my face at that time. How I would love to hear because you have a team now. I'm sure most of them, if not all of them, are older than you. How do you overcome that? How do you work through that? Yeah, absolutely. I do face that a lot, not even just within my team, but also with clients. It really is something that you can see sometimes when I walk into a meeting or even a listing appointment or I hop on a phone call or something that sometimes you can you can read the reactions of others and they're like, oh, well, this person's really young. How What are they going to have to teach me or to show me or how could they help us? Um, and I would say the biggest ways that I've been able to get past that is one, the confidence piece is a huge thing. If you walk in and own the room and know exactly what you have is valuable, then people really pick up on the energies that you put off. That was probably one of the biggest things that I picked up. And the second thing is I never, I, I go in with such confidence because I know what I know is incredible. I know the results that I've got and I know what I'm capable of. And I know beyond the knowledge that I'm going to work harder than anyone else in the room. But I think I also go in with this mindset of, I don't know everything. I never claim to know everything. I know that I know a lot and I know that I have a different skill set than many people, you know, do. And that's kind of an advantage that I have. But I think going in with this open mind of respecting the input of everybody else and understanding that each person has different life experiences, different skill sets and different levels of experience um, and taking all of that. I think a great manager takes the knowledge and takes the skill sets of everyone in the room and finds a way to channel that to be most effective. A great manager is not the person that knows the most or that has the most experience. I think it's the way that you are able to bring people together and get them on a common road driving this course. Uh, I think that that's how to be most successful with it. You're 100% right. And I'm going to use the word leader instead of manager. The best leaders actually hire people smarter than them to take on the things that they're not as good at or the things that they don't need to be spending their time on. And anybody who wants to grow a team has a team. You have to adopt that mindset. Uh, don't be intimidated by hiring people or you know putting yourself in rooms with people that are smarter than you. I love it. Okay, so I've completely taken us down a rabbit hole, but that's always what happens. And it was good because I love to get to know people. Uh, but let's let's get into the topic at hand, which is where you are like the queen of this topic. I would argue um, there's not a whole lot of people that I've seen um, in our world that dominate social media, but specifically Instagram like you do. And I would say that Instagram is still relatively new in our world. It's still very new from a business perspective. People are still trying to figure out uh, you know, how to use it for their business where we figured out Facebook. Now people are starting to move to YouTube, but they also, you know, everybody's on Instagram. So how can they, you know, let's, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to ask you a question. I'm going to say, let's just start talking about it and let's, let's teach the audience something that they can take away today, two, three, four things that they could implement into their business today. Yes, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting that you say that uh, Instagram is still new because I actually posted this in the lab coach group the other day. Um, a statistic came out that there's really about 14%, yes, 1-4% of agents uh, utilizing Instagram for business. 14%. Love it. Like, I know that that's one of the biggest things I hear is people are like, oh, there's so many people doing it already. There's so many people on Instagram. Like, yes and no. It's the same way that I found and carved out this niche for myself. You can do the exact same thing on Instagram. You just have to find those key factors that set you apart and then run with it. 
And once you start doing that, the world is your oyster and there is no competition. It really, it really feels that way. Um, so I would say the biggest thing to focus on for Instagram, there's two kind of things that I'm going to give you to take away from this. One is very tangible and one is very conceptual. So the first thing is um, I really try to think about ways to use social media, but Instagram in particular, in ways to elevate my business and add on to the things that I'm already doing rather than adding more work to my plate that doesn't directly move the needle forward in my business. I am constantly auditing what I'm doing and making sure that the majority of what I spend my time on is progressing my business in some way. And unless you have a strategy to do so on, on Instagram, you can find yourself up until 2 a.m. scrolling through videos of dogs like chasing their own tail and you're not doing anything for yourself. So that's why it's super important to have a strategy going into it and really make sure that you're building something of value that people want to engage with. Um, and then and focusing mostly on producing content rather than consuming it. So that's kind of the conceptual way that I like to look at it. As far as the more tangible piece of that, I am a bit different than most people that talk about Instagram for real estate in the way that I will encourage you to have the majority of your posts and the majority of what you share be more so about you as a human. I think that we can relate it back to real estate in many ways. But if you, and granted, my feed now is, is geared a little bit more towards realtors and coaching and all of these things as my business has evolved. Uh, but even still, when I was purely in real estate sales, the majority of what I shared was about who I am, how I am, the team that I run, those kind of elements. And then I would relate it back to real estate instead of just posting the front of a house. For the most part, like, what I'm trying to look for is the things that make people feel something. I want to elicit some sort of emotion or I want to entertain them or I want to give them some piece of value that sticks with them so that they look at me in a certain way. And that's the beauty of social media is you have this control over how you're perceived to a certain extent. Of course, there's going to be people that just don't like what you put out. That's inevitable. But you have so much control over what you put out there. It's the fastest way to establish yourself as an expert. I, I agree 100%. And I just posted the other day too. I had a call with a recruit this week and the guy told me, I didn't know him from Adam. He was in, I'm in St. Louis. He was in Atlanta. And the guy told me that he, this is exactly his words. I stalked you on Facebook and I feel like I know you, man. And, and the reality is, is because the vast majority of my content is personal content. I share my life. I just turned the camera on myself for my family which allows people in. It also attracts them because if I'm talking about real estate or mortgage, they're going to scroll right past. In fact, they're going to stop following me. I'm never going to show up on their feed because they're not interested. It's not, in, it's not interesting. I'm really glad you said that because we talk about the 80-20 rule. It's like 80% of your content should be authentic personal content and 20% should be business, maybe even less. Uh, but you know, let's, let's, let's keep it somewhat realistic because you and I both know that most realtors just want to get on there and they feel like they need to vomit out real estate stats or real estate content. And the fact is, People aren't interested. They're not on social media to, to, to learn about that kind of stuff. That's not why they're there. They go to Google for that, which is YouTube, mm -hmm. which is a whole other conversation. So keep, keep taking us down this, down this path. Yeah, no, you're completely right. I think it's super important that we're focusing on the things that allow people to kind of get to know us. And just in the, the comment that you received, I always say that's one of the greatest compliments is when people meet me in person, they're like, wow, you're exactly the same as you are on Instagram. That to me, always locks in the fact that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. 
um, and I'm doing it in the right way because I want to, oh, I, I am like when I hop on my stories and I'm like this goofy, quirky person, that's how I am. That's who I am in real life. You know, granted, if you have me sitting down negotiating something, I may not be pulling in those same quirks, but you're still going to get the same person. And that's what the beauty of social media is, is it allows us to build quick like, know, and trust, which are, you know, ultimately the keys of getting someone into your pipeline, right? Getting them to know like that they can work with you. So those are kind of the conceptual ways that I look at what I'm sharing. But then as far as the next step of that, I think the biggest piece that we also lose sight of. So I see agents that they maybe captured this first part. They're like, okay, I'm sharing some personal elements. I'm starting to kind of build this unity, connecting with a few people. But then why are we failing to either ask for the close, ask for the sale, or get them into some place that we actually have them captured as a lead? I think that's the biggest thing that I see missing um, is you have to constantly be thinking about funneling them into your database in some way, shape, or form. So the way that I love to do that is a few different ways. Um, I love to utilize different lead magnets. So a lead magnet could be a buyer's guide. It could be a webinar. I think webinars are something that are heavily underutilized by real estate agents. Um, it could be a video series where you talk about how to save $2,000 purchasing your next house or something along those lines that's valuable to people. And in order to do so, they give you their name, phone number, and email. And you'd be surprised at how many people are willing to do that when the value is right. Um, I think sometimes we struggle to capture leads. It feels like we're grasping at thin air. Uh, when in reality, it's just that you haven't made your offer attractive enough yet for the people in your audience, or you haven't exposed them to it quite enough yet. There used to be a statistic that it took like 7 to 15 exposures for somebody to really recognize and resonate with someone, brand, service company, anything, uh, that's now increased to about 20 to 40. So it takes that many more. And in fact, I honestly would dare to say that it's probably greater than that, maybe 40 to 60 exposures to really get something like that. And it's because A, our attention spans are so much shorter and B, there's so much more noise out there. So it's that much more important to find a niche, hone in on it and create really valuable content that speaks directly to a group of people and then that's how you carve out your niche that's how you find this group of people that idolize you as their expert and that's how you can master your your social media really yeah i love it that's a really good point and that it also kind of leads to saying that this strategy like social media in general everybody just in general wants speed you know they, they want they want a quick buck you know they want to turn a dollar fast but but the reality is a long successful sustainable career is a long game you might strike it rich here and there with various sources, but over the long game, it's a long game. And so just executing on a strategy like this, like if you start sharing more of your life, you're not going to like all of a sudden just turn business like tomorrow or in a month or two months. I mean, this is going to be a, this is a year's play, but like you said, 40 to 60 touches. And that's a reason why you should be created. The more content you create, the faster that's going to happen essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. What what do you say to someone who kind of has that mindset of, well, okay, you told me that I shouldn't be going on Facebook to you know waste my time searching feeds. I need to be using it as a business tool. That's kind of the way I interpreted what you said, and you're and you're right. So I'm going to go on there as a business. I'm going to use it as a business, and I want to create more opportunities. So how do I do that? I say the biggest way to create opportunity in your business is through connection. There's no shortcut to that, but 
if you take initiative to make genuine connections, I was actually just talking about this, Grant Wise, he had me on his show, we were talking about the one tip that you would give real estate agents to make their next million. I, my number one tip is connection. So if you're going to get on your social media now and really want to utilize this as a business tool, then take the, set some sort of time block for yourself. I love to work in time blocks. I know there's like, you know, <laughs> alternating opinions on that, but I think it's super important to be effective with your time. So I'll set aside 20, 30 minutes to go start 20 to 30 genuine conversations. If that rolls over into an hour because I have totally hit it off with somebody, that's fine. But I think you have to actually go out there and initiate conversation. I like to look at social media um, instead of as something that I could hide behind, because I think that's naturally what a lot of us try to do is hide behind it, thinking that it's on our phone, oh, we're safe, we can be laying in bed and nobody knows. Instead, I utilize it as a way to elevate as if I was out at a networking event. Anytime I log on to my Instagram, I'm hopping into a networking event. And it's going to be a lot more effective because I'm not in a room with 50 other realtors that are all fighting for the one person that's not in real estate, which I find is most networking events. Instead, I can go out there and find the specific people that I want to connect with and then make connection, make genuine connection. I'll take a couple seconds to scroll through their profile, look at their pictures, find something to open up a conversation with that shows them that I'm genuinely interested. I'm genuinely invested in what they have to say. And then I find that that's that's honestly probably one of the biggest ways that I can utilize social media is setting aside a small chunk of time each day to initiate 10 to 20 quick new conversations. And that is the way to be getting fast business because you're starting those conversations, you're asking for the business. And then when you have this other content strategy that's more of the long play, like you said, uh, that's how you kind of create this perfect synergy of business now, business later, and you're building up a community of people that really engage with what you share. I love it. And I, listeners, she said something there that I think was very profound and it was kind of subtle. And that is when she goes into social media, she feels like she's going into a networking event. She's going into a networking event. And again, most of you think, oh, I have to go to the Chamber of Commerce or I have to go to the Board of Realtors. No, actually, those places kind of suck. You really want to spend more time doing this. And if you don't shift your mindset to think the way Tessa Bella is telling you to think, then you're just putting yourself behind the curve because there's so much opportunity out there. I love it. So when, when it comes to, we, you know, again, we, we were kind of going down that, that rabbit hole of leads and you, t you know, Facebook leads is a very co a common topic. Um, and, and you can connect your IG to Facebook. Um, and you started to dabble a little bit just on leads in general. And I think some people are going to want to hear this. You know, what is your opinion on leads and Instagram or running targeted ads? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that running targeted ads, both through Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, all of the platforms that we have at our fingertips is the most effective way to generate leads online. But you also have to know the difference between leads online and leads in person and how you're going to quickly get those to kind of match in the middle. Um, but my approach with social media, and this is what I truly teach whenever somebody is asking these questions, um, I think it's absolutely key to establish an organic strategy prior to monetizing it. You need to know exactly how you can utilize your social media to produce valuable content, to connect with people, and to get leads 
organically, and then you know where to pump your money, where to put funds behind that in order to put out targeted ads, to put some ad spend behind the video content that you're producing, because you already know the people who are reacting to it. Um, I heard this quote the other day that I thought was absolutely incredible. And it said, your best copyright, the best copywriter that you can hire is your ideal customer. And that to me was mind blowing because I look at that in every way of marketing, right? If we're constantly trying to think of, oh, what could I write in my ad or what could I put out there that people are going to actually care about? Pay more attention to the people that are already engaging with what you're sharing. Ask them what they want from you. Pay attention to the people that are already engaging with you. And so that's why having that organic strategy first gives you that key market insight to know exactly what to put money behind, exactly what kind of ads to run. And then you've just doubled down on a master strategy to generate as many leads as you want. That's really brilliant. And so simple at the same token. Uh, but yet I think people just overthink these kind of things, you know? So, so give me an example. So, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, how you should kind of dial in and be strategic with it and be strategic with your message. Give us an example of maybe something you've done or something that you've seen someone do uh, that worked really, really well. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that's been powerful for myself and for the people that are bold enough to try it, which I think a lot of people shy away from this, uh, is storytelling. Storytelling on social media is the most powerful thing. When I started to get uh, transparent with the things that are going on in my life. And again, here's something as well. People are often worried about what they share on social media for the sake of maybe people judging them or privacy reasons or all of these kind of things. You have to understand that you're in complete and total control. The majority of my audience feels like they know everything about me when in reality, there's still so many things that I'm able to keep private if I want to. I am the kind of person that's very transparent. I'm happy to share anything, but you get to be in total control of what you're sharing. So keep that in mind first, but then dare to push yourself a bit out of the comfort zone as far as sharing things that are a little bit, you know, push you out of your comfort zone. The things that may be hard to talk about, the personal stories. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I saw work for one of my students who went through some coaching with me is uh, she had firsthand experience losing her house in the downturn and she went through this really aggressive like bankruptcy story and all this kind of stuff that's typically pretty embarrassing for people right it's not something that we love talking about though many people have experienced it she was bold enough and oh my gosh I was so proud of her to get out there and share this story and share her experience of going through that and she looped it back to that's why she does what she does now she wants to help everyone else avoid those situations, make smart investments, and understand how to protect themselves in the event of anything else happening and how to really secure smart real estate investment um, and set yourself up for long-term success and sustainability. So that resulted in a ton of business for her. And I think it was incredible because she's now um, shared, shared and bared a piece of her soul and people are super invested in that because they feel like they can relate. And the same is true for me. I went through, you know, at the beginning or not beginning, middle of this year, it went through a really hard time. A relationship I thought I would have forever, like totally went away in front of my eyes and it tore me apart. And I wanted to just disappear from everything on social media. And I did take the time to heal myself. But at the same time, I was sharing that process with people. And in the midst of that, I have never had such high engagement from the people in my audience, both sharing their stories with me, 
appreciating my transparency, things like that. And it's resulted in a lot of business, but more than that, it's resulted in a lot of really powerful connections that I know I can help other people. I can utilize those connections. I can do pretty much anything from there. You can convert it however you like. I love it. I love You're a hundred percent right. I, and I say this when I speak to rooms is that if you are concerned about privacy or you're concerned about sharing, or you're, you're concerned about just kind of letting it all out there, you, you could just go ahead and get up and walk out of the room right now because this isn't for you. It's not mm-hmm. going to work. And, and you're right because I, I, on the on the opposite side of the spectrum, my wife and I joke about this sometimes because we have friends that are couples and in person, most of the time you always hear them bitching about each other, right? They're always complaining. But on social media, they have this big, grandiose, beautiful wedding and marriage and they love each other and, and we all know it's a facade. It's BS, right? That's not the way you should be living your life on social media. You should not that you should be airing your problems on social media. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't. But like you said, if you've gone through struggles that is relatable, a bankruptcy, a foreclosure, a breakup, a, a death, whatever, injury, you should be talking about that. You should be sharing those experiences because when people can relate to you, man, it sucks them right into your brand. They automatically just, they're, they're going to become a raving fan of yours. And there's no, there is literally, I don't think there's any other way when it comes to advertising and marketing to, to grab people in as you can by executing just exactly what you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the power of that too is like you said, I mean, uh, Craig Valentine said this. He was just at a conference and I heard him talking about this. He's a great marketing coach and everything as well. And his whole thing is video. He's super powerful with sharing videos. And I heard him say, I forget how he delivered this message, but it hit home with me so much because it was like, we've got all these people that say they want to be successful in real estate or they want to make $100,000 or they want to make a million dollars. And then you tell them, okay, well, hop on, hop on your Instagram story and start making some videos. And like, oh, well, no, I mean, I kind of look sad today or I hate how I sound on video or whatever excuse in the book. Do you know how pathetic that is? We're giving you every reason and every tool and every resource to go out there and do the things that you say you want, but you clearly don't want it bad enough if you're not willing to push yourself into a level of discomfort to have that growth to achieve the goal. So I I have maybe a little bit of a tough love kind of style with that too, but that's 100% how it is. I'll give everyone every tool I've ever used. I'm super open with sharing the resources because I think there's enough abundance for everyone to win in the world. But at the end of the day, the one thing I can never give you is the work ethic to just do it yourself. And that's the number one thing that I see people fail at um, is every tool, every resource is out there and available for you. You're just not putting in the work. And there really is no magic pill other than just doing the work. Mm-hmm. Get over it. That's that's really yeah. it. Just get over it. it. Everybody makes those excuses. I don't look how I look. I don't know how I sound. I, all of those excuses. Uh, nobody cares what I have to say. You name it. We could go on and on and on and on. Uh, get over it and just do it because there's going to be one. There's, then there's going to grow to two and then it's going to just continue to compound and people will follow you. Even if they don't engage you, they will follow you. So, okay. So you gave us Obviously, you know how to get the followers, how to grow your business using Instagram, which is actually not rocket science, folks. This is actually much simpler than a lot of you probably realize or much simpler than you're willing to admit that it, that really works. But I just recently, so I was at a mastermind. I belong to Closing Table Mastermind, which is a, which is a big mastermind on the West Coast. And there was a couple guys there uh, that are uh, a, a company called Assistogram. 
And so I was talking to them because I feel like I've quote unquote mastered Facebook. Like I'm really good at it. I'm executing the exact same strategy on Instagram, but I'm later to the game on Instagram. So it's taking me a while to grow my followers. And the, the comment that they made to me was that, you know, to grow your following to that 10,000 swipe up number or to grow to the 50,000, you know, to grow to these massive levels, it's like nearly impossible anymore. Like you're really going to have to hire a company to do it, to, to, to get to that level. What would you say to that? Is, is, do you find the same thing? I, I actually, I didn't stalk you enough to know how many followers you have. Um, but kind of, kind of give some, some of your advice on that. Yeah, absolutely. There are a million ways to grow on Instagram. I agree with that and I disagree at the same time. But if you want to be good at anything, if you want to master anything, you have to practice it and you have to put time into it. So there are absolutely ways that you can still grow your own following without the help of some other company. Um, but it is going to take your investment of time. And the biggest ways to do so, in my experience, is A, you have to lead with a great strategy because I could drive as much traffic to your page as possible, but if there's bad content there or something that nobody identifies with, then it does you no good. You're literally just throwing money to the wind. So the strategy really is important and that's often overlooked. The second piece of that uh, is really connection. It's kind of that piece that I talked about. You have to take the initiative because naturally humans reciprocate what's given to them. So if you go out there and you're connecting with people and you're following people and you're engaging with others, others, and they're likely to do the same with you. And then the last piece of that is leveraging connection with other people that have the larger following video. Like I currently have 30,000 followers. There's a lot of people that have way more than me. And there's a lot of people that have less than me. But one big way that I was able to do that and grow to that number so far was by connecting with other people that had slightly larger followings than I did and collaborating. I did a ton of like, live videos with people. I would ask if I could come on their story and share some value. Um, I would try and engage with their audience as well. I'd find people whose services or knowledge complemented mine, and I would find ways to bounce off that. So as a real estate agent, you can find other vendors in your market. You can find lenders. You can find title reps. You can find restaurants even or other kind of services and things that people use regularly within your market or markets that you want to break into and find ways to create content together, make videos together, tag each other, support one another. And that's probably the fastest way to grow your organic following. But it's going to take you time. Like all of those things that I just listed are things that you're not going to be able to do in five minutes a day. It is going to take time. So you either do that by investing your time um, or you hire somebody to help you execute on that. But, but truly, I think even hiring somebody there has to be a level of human involvement. I do have people that hire me to help them with their social media. And this has been a constant battle of mine is the people that, that get the best results are the ones that allow me to help them, but then still put in the work. And I get people all the time that are like, oh, so I can just hire you, right? And then I'll have like 10,000 followers next month and I don't have to ever post anything. I'm like, what good is that? Is that going to stroke your ego to have the 10,000 followers? I, I can do that, but it's not going to do anything for you. So I think focusing more on uh, kind of actually putting a little bit of effort into it and then supplementing that if you need to. So I guess it's a two-part answer. I like it. And and they said the same thing that, that like they went and stalked me and they said, look, you already do a fantastic job of content, but what you're probably not doing is you're probably not posting it at the right time or you're not using the correct hashtags. And so basically they're like, Hey, we're not going to, we'll create some content for you, but it's going to be a small piece. You're going to create most of your own content because you're already good at it. 
you're just going to, instead of posting it, you're going to send it off to a Google Drive and we're going to post it for you. And it's interesting that you said that. So I think anybody who's listening to this who thinks to themselves, oh, I can just hire Tess Bella to do it for me. Well, sure you can, but that defeats the whole purpose of what we talked about in the first half of this podcast. That's not authentic. Mm-hmm. They're going to they're gonna see right through you. If all you're posting is memes and funny quotes, that's not engaging. Like they want to know, like, what are you doing this weekend? Where are you traveling on vacation? Those kind of things. Um, and and again, people just got to get their fat heads around that. And, and stop making excuses because that's exactly what it is. And, and let me ask you this. So, I, I, and I can easily say this, and I'm sure a lot of people are saying this, especially if they've seen you before, they're going to say, oh, yeah, sure, Tessa. Right, right. You're a beautiful woman, right? It's easy for you to gain, to attract followers. I am not as attractive. I can't just post pictures of myself and get people commenting and saying, oh, Jeff, you're so sexy. Or Jeff, you look so great. <laughs> It just doesn't work that way for me. Uh, I have to use self-deprecating humor more than anything. So what is your answer to people who are saying that? Because I'm sure you've heard that before. Yeah, no, I've definitely heard that before. I think what you have to look at is A, the strengths that you have, and B, the elements that make you who you are. I And if you look at my profiles in comparison to some of you know the people that have these, the girls specifically that have these hundreds of thousands of followers, they are utilizing their assets, usually physical ones, <laughs> to be getting more followers. That's never something I've tapped into um, because I would much rather lead with the kind of people I want to attract, which is people that are going to come to me for my knowledge and for the things that I share. So, yes, I do maybe look a certain way. That I'm sure that probably works in my favor to a certain extent. But the majority of the feedback that I receive is because of the massive value that I put out there. Um, and because I'm really identifying the things that I have in my tool belt, the advantages I have and the skill sets that I can tap into. So if you are not wanting to utilize, you know, the way you look, then pull in your sense of humor or pull in your knowledge base or pull in your past career and how that's an advantage to you now. Those kind of things can help you instead to elevate what it is that you're focused on. I like it. And, and, and the moral of that question is really just to tell people, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, we all have strengths. And, and, and Tessa Bella has weaknesses. We all do. We, 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 we have both sides of the coin. So focus on your strengths and focus on growing those strengths and being stronger at them. Stop worrying about your weaknesses and just focus on what you're good at. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, what else, what else can we add to this? So when it, when it comes to, you know, specifically, and it's weird that this conversation has gone the way it has, because I didn't exactly envision it this way, but that's just how these conversations go sometimes but I think this is really valuable. Um, but when it comes to specifically using real estate on Instagram, um, is it a lot different than how people, how agents are using it on Facebook? I would say yes and no. Facebook is obviously a different platform because you can do a lot more like text-based um, or articles or sharing links and things like that is a bit more easy on uh, Facebook versus Instagram. And truly, I also think about it in the sense that most people are going to, so I, I always try to look from a consumer's point of view. So anytime I'm going out and putting something out there, I'm like, all right, well, when I go onto Instagram for pleasure reasons, what is it that I'm looking for? What is it the kind of stuff that I actually find myself engaging with? Um, and a lot of times I'm more interested in, you know, the viral trends. I'm more interested in the things that my personal interests are, you know, putting out there, people I follow, their personal lives, things like that. 
So instead of going into Instagram and trying to swim upstream, sharing all this business content, I try to focus on what people want to see, which is the personal side. So I think that's kind of where it differs is Facebook is now a bit more, uh, it's a bit more expected to see more of like the political stuff, the articles, the business focused things. Whereas Instagram, you really have to pull in that personal piece and then kind of find ways to tie in underlying messages of what you do and how you serve others. I like that. And and I can speak to that because the reason I got on Instagram, well, I knew I needed to, but the, one of the biggest reasons I did was because my mother-in-law is not on Facebook and refuses to get on Facebook. And so we would go to a family function and she'd be, and we, everybody would be talking about the latest video or the latest TikTok or whatever my kids did. Right. And she, and I, and she, you could just see her sitting in the corner like, nah, I didn't get to see that. And then I was like, damn it, Sue, fine. I'll go on Instagram and I'll start sharing that stuff to Instagram. And then it's just kind of morphed into what it has now. But I agree with you because personally, I don't actually even have a business Instagram page. And I know that's probably not right or wrong, but because for me, I still share some business stuff on my personal page, but it's very, very little or it's stuff that I can tie back to personal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, to me, Instagram is more personal. That's why it was designed because I think people wanted to get away from political. They wanted to get away from that stuff, which by the way, you will find in your feed what you kind of attract. So if you're finding negativity in your feed, if you're finding drama, if you're finding the political BS, the religious, whatever it is you don't want, that's because you're engaging it. Like those computers are watching you and they're giving you what you want. Cause I don't ever see that crap. Why? Because I engage people like you because mm-hmm. I'm following the people I want to follow. So you have, and that's like a strategy for social media as well. You have to in- intentionally engage what you want to follow that will mm-hmm. show up on your feed. And then it becomes more of a business. It's, it's like reading a book, right? It's just following. It absolutely is. And there's kind of a way that I look at it, actually. So imagine this scenario. I'm going to try and paint a picture. So you are inside your house, and you hear a knock on the door. You go up to the door. You open it. If somebody totally random that you've never met, a complete stranger, and they say, hey, can I come in? You're probably going to say no. <laughs> Most people would say no, I would hope. If you're, if you're not prepped on stranger danger, then you should probably say no. Um, but if, same scenario, you're inside your house. You hear a knock on the door. And it's your best friend standing with a total stranger and they say, Hey, can we come in? You're going to let them in. Right. So that's how I look at Instagram and the, it will really social media as a whole. The kind of content that's being exposed to you is more than more than likely the things that you're engaging with and the things that your people that you engage with are engaging with as well. There's kind of three tiers to that. So all the stuff you're seeing on social media Those are all the strangers that are hanging out with your best friend knocking on your door. There's not just random stuff being shown to you unless that's being targeted by ads. And then again, it's usually pretty strategic. Most of the time, that's based off of things they've studied. So that's kind of the way I look at it. I love that you said that. What you put out is really what you get out. That's that's kind of a cardinal rule of life and the same applies to social media. That's awesome. That's really, really great. So, okay, so... um... What, what do you have to share at the end? We should probably wrap this up. I think we're going on about 45 minutes. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you want to share or anything that you feel like you need to end with? I would say the last thing to kind of wrap up with, and this is actually something you lightly mentioned, but we'll dive into it for a second, is sharing the personal stuff on Instagram. This is probably one of the number one questions that I receive. Um, is should I have a business account? Should I have a personal account? Should I have both? Should I have neither? 
Uh, I am a huge, huge fan of just having one single account for a few reasons. One, it's obviously easier. You're creating less work for yourself. Um, but second of all, it's because like we've talked about, kind of the entire message of this podcast is that people want to see the things that they can connect with. So have that one account where you show the personal elements, you tie in some business, you share your friends and family, you talk about the things that you're passionate about or that make you who you are. And that's the way to grow a true personal brand that allows people to connect with you and know the kind of service that they can receive from you. Um, I would say, obviously, there are certain circumstances where having a business account will make sense, you know, as you're growing a large team, certain things like that. But for the majority of people out there, go in there and master having one single account that is where you share your personal stuff, your business stuff, and tie it all together because those are all the things that make you you. I'm, I don't leave real estate at the door. I constantly have my real estate cap on. I'm ready to talk to anyone and everyone about real estate at all times. I don't leave that at, you know, behind closed doors and never mention it. So those are things that make me who I am. Why should I have think of that any different on social media? Why should I get on my social media and not talk about a huge piece of who I am unless it's not a big piece of who you are? So that's probably the biggest thing I would leave you with is simplify it. Keep sharing the things about who you are. Um, and relate it back to business, but don't forget to start and lead with connection and value. I love it. And and to clarify, you are specifically talking about Instagram with that only having one account. Correct. I love it because I don't I don't agree with that on Facebook. I do agree with it because I practice it on Instagram, but on Facebook, you should probably have a personal business and a group, if not more than one group. Um, yes, I completely agree with that's that. That's another conversation for another day. I love it. So, in, in recap, I want to I want to clarify one thing too with you kind of just asking again, I'm getting totally personal and, and, and selfish here because I want to know if I'm doing it right. Uh, but I use my story as like my personal vomiting piece tool. Like I can share anything and everything and it doesn't really matter because I can't really annoy people because they got to go find it if they want it. It only is there for 24 hours. I love it because I can automatically put it to my Facebook story at the same time. So it's touching different audiences. That's where I vomit out like everything like every little detail of my life. And, and I, by every detail, I mean two to 10 stories a day, right? And then my feed I use for like more of the profound stuff. It's like, okay, that's my best post. That's the post that of all, all of those five to 10 posts, that's the best one. That's the grabber. That's the one that's going to get engagement. And then I put that one on my feed instead of my story. Do you agree with that kind of a, of a philosophy or do you have a different one? What do you, what do, you do? Yes, I definitely do agree with that. I always say, I look at my story like my own personal reality TV show. That gets the good, the bad, the ugly, the business, the personal. It gets a little bit of everything. And I think that's why people love it. Because it's short form, easy to digest content. And guess what? If you don't like it, you can swipe past it for the day. And no one's offended. Nobody knows. It doesn't really matter that much. So I think you should be putting out anything and everything on your story that you feel is somewhat relevant or that, you know, shows what you're doing what you're up to and then yes the feed posts I always try to make those much more valuable um, a huge thing that Instagram rewards currently at this time uh, for engagement is people that are saving your Instagram posts so that weird little ribbon sign in the corner that's a big thing that they use to uh, rate your engagement so I try to think about that when I'm sharing content if you'll look at any of my posts most of them are long form pieces that are almost like a mini blog post where I'm giving a tip on Instagram or a tip on how to grow your business or a tip on how to 
you know, have the right mindset for rolling into the new year, things like that, that I know people are most likely to save, to share, to want to come back and engage with. So that's what, the way I look at my feed versus my stories. I love that. You just gave me an idea to do a live on IG uh, about that right there, just to kind of give a tip, but also kind of a subliminal, hey, if I say something cool and you want to save it, you can save it and just do it right here because then it helps my it helps my, st- my stats or the algorithm or whatever it is. I love yeah. it. I love it. Awesome. Well, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I'm really, really impressed. And we met at, at a live in San Diego and, you know, just for a brief moment. And obviously, I guess we've seen each other. You probably know less of me than I know you. But I would have guessed you were like closer to 30. So I'm impressed. And not by looks, because you look young, but just by the way you carry yourself. And you said it earlier. I mean, that's such a valuable piece. So anybody young listening to this, I mean, you heard it. You heard it from a 23-year-old who is crushing. She's in rooms with mainly like 40 and 50-somethings um, and like high-level people. Because I know those rooms because I hang out in them. And that's the age range. It's like 35 to 55 is where that like that's where the people are and we've got this now this 23 year old who's uh, crashing our party and you're welcome to the party by the way uh because you bring so much value and um age is only a number i love it and uh you're you're crushing it Thirty thousand followers and let me guess that's organic it is yes i actually haven't run any like paid advertising for my following um to date I will be launching some of that in 2020 um, and testing it on all of my own profiles to be able to help other people do the same. But as of now, every single thing has been completely organic as far as my growth on social media. That's killer. That's killer. Awesome. So Tessa, how can, how can our listeners find you, follow you, get a hold of you if they want to give us whatever it is that they need to know? Yeah, honestly, the best way to find me and contact me is through Instagram. Surprise, surprise. Um, but Instagram is Tessa Bella with two A's on both. Um, it's kind of a pain in the butt, but somebody has a Tessa Bella account with a, one picture of a cat and she won't let me have it. So that's where <laughs> we're at. Um, but if you find me on Instagram, that is the best place to connect with me. You can find my email there. You can usually find whatever coaching or courses I have available, or you can shoot me a DM at any time. I totally welcome people reaching out to me, asking questions, anything like that. Like I said, I'm an open book, so I'll... It may take me a minute, but I'll get back to every single one that I ever get. I love it. So let me spell that for them. So that's T-E-S-S-A-A-B as in boy, E-L-L-A-A again. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> well, hopefully you can pick up uh, some more followers and get to 30,005 from this podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You you are such an awesome resource to lab code agents and and you know me personally and I know many others. I think it's fantastic. I can't wait to see you at the next event again and probably do uh, probably do another interview at some point uh, digitally. This has been a lot of fun. It's been great to get to know you and I hope I don't know that you've talked like deep about yourself on any of the other webinars. So I'm glad we brought this element because it's different and I think it's important for people to know uh, you are an absolute inspiration. I think it's, it's great what you're doing and I look forward to, you know, continuing to, uh, to learn from you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's always great to be on here and be part of the lab code agent family. It's super fun to be involved and I look forward to the years to come. Awesome. We loved having you. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you. Agents Podcast.